If you have a Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we're going to, we uh, are in a series called Out of the Box. And I think for many of us, all of us really, when you grow up, uh, you know, as you, as you begin to process the concept of God, uh, it begins to, you know, there's, there, there, we, we kind of get this, okay, God does this, God doesn't do that, God can do this, God can't do that. And really, if there's one thing I've seen God do to when we do that, it's he always seems to surprise us. He always seems to say, you know what, whatever box you think I might fit in, ah, surprise, I'm bigger than that. So it's a really interesting thing when we began to explore the Lord in the book of Acts, particularly as he does some things that are very much outside the box. And so this morning we're going to talk about healing in Acts chapter 3 and hopefully bring a little balance to what's been a very controversial topic over the last few decades, really. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to open up our eyes to see that which you have to see, God. The, 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 take the blinders off. Let us see Jesus in reality, God, that you are real, that you exist, that you're very much here. And uh, God, open up our ears to hear what you'd have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want to say about healing divine healing and, and uh, everything that goes with supernatural healing is don't believe everything you hear. Uh, I've been in the room with many pastors who have confessed, you know, oh, you know, I kind of I kind of embellished a healing or other people who, you know, say, yeah, I said I was healed of that, you know, and people who outright are deceptive or exaggerate in order to kind of try to prop God up, you know. And here's the thing. We do not need to prop God up. Uh, This is not Tom's kingdom we're building. This is not Tom's church that we're building. It's all about God. It's all about his kingdom. And so we don't need to lie about healing, as unfortunately so many do. Uh, and I hate to say it, even so many Christians will kind of want to, you know, wanting to tell a really cool story of God, how God healed them when so much of it is fabricated and made up. And that's why a lot of people are sick of hearing about it because they don't know if it's really true. However, although they're probably rarer than people talk about, here's a fact I really want to attest to all of you this morning. They do happen. They do happen. I have seen prayer in the name of Jesus heal people, both physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. They do happen. So just because there are, and I know there are many, fabricated stories of healing, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because I'm going to tell you a tale of two healings this morning that are absolutely true. A long time ago, uh, many churches ago, it seems like, I was uh, young, I was in college before I was married, and I was a part of the prayer team. Uh, It's kind of funny because I joined the church and I wanted, uh, excuse me, I wanted to learn music. I, 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 you know, when I first joined a church, I didn't know how to play any instruments or sing or anything, but I thought that would be cool, you know. I always want to be a rock star, you know. And so, uh, so, but they, they wouldn't let me do that. They said, you know what? We want you to be on the prayer team first. I'm like, prayer team? Man, you know, I don't want to be on the prayer team. All they do is pray. <laughs> you know, 
And, uh, and, 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 but, you know, the, the prayer pastor was, you know, he was really cool. I mean, he was, you know, back then, you know, he was just, he, he was a, a real mover and shaker, had a great personality. So he, he recruited me, and I was a part of this prayer team. And at, at, uh, at the end of the service, we'd come up and pray for people. So one time, the pastor is preaching a message. Oh, I hope I never do this. But the pastor is preaching, preaching a message, and he talks about when he was a kid, he really picked on and teased this girl that had eczema all over her uh, hands and her arms. And as a result of the teasing, you know, she used to wear gloves and try to hide it, and, and they, he, he believes he's responsible for really, you know, mentally and emotionally messing up this girl. And he, he was trying to confess the power of our words. And I thought, you know, fine, a good sermon and everything. And then afterward, it was, I was scheduled that weekend to be, come up and be a part of the prayer team. And, uh, and a woman comes up and has gloves on. And as she comes up, uh, she says, I, she doesn't say I was the girl. <laughs> that would be awesome. You know, I was the girl you talked about. No, she says, I, I'm one of those people I have. I have eczema all over my hands. I wear these gloves. And the pastor just cleared the room. I mean, he didn't clear the room, but I mean, he, he, he grabbed her hands. Sister, let's get on our knees and pray. And I mean, we were supposed to do the praying. He was supposed to go say hi to everybody. But that day, he said hi to nobody. He had a, he had a bigger priority that day. And they sat down and, you know, I, I don't know how long, you know, time kind of stops when you're in that moment. And she got healed of her eczema. Uh, it's an amazing thing to just, you know, to just see that, you know. Uh, it's hard to explain. You almost have to be there to, 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 to say it. I mean, people ask me, you know, oh, did the lesions just drop off? And did the, you know, just, I, I don't know. They're just gone. They were just gone. It's two fresh arms. And no doubt about it, uh, seeing this pastor pray in Jesus' name, it was, it was an, an incredible healing. And, of course, this woman was her first time at the church, brand new and what is the first thing they do what, what she says hey i want to join the church i'd like to be a part of it. i'd like to join a team what team do you think we should join what team do you think they say they join the prayer team i began to like figure out their little you know uh their little <coughs> stick there and and so what happened was probably for the next oh, long time she was like the poster child for testimony you know whenever there'd be testimony she'd get up and talk about this and and a lot of people knew her and, and knew that this had happened. And it was, and it was, a, great, it was a great thing that happened, a great healing. She joined the church and, you know, went on from there. Well, the second one uh, was the prayer team used to go to the hospital and pray. The, the pastor, one of the associate pastor's wife was a nurse at the hospital. And she'd, she'd get from people if they wanted the prayer team to come pray for them. And so there was this man who was dying of cancer in the hospital uh, and pa- Pastor, Paul, Pastor Paul was the associate pastor at the time. This, this was 20 years ago or so now. And he said, okay, you know, let's, let's have the team go pray for him. And went to the hospital and prayed for the guy. And, uh, and sure enough, the, he, he, he was healed of his cancer. Now, what's interesting was, if you'd have told me what would be one thing that would, like, totally have you get on your knees and and, you know, lift your arms up to Jesus and say, you know, save me, forgive me, I want to follow you, it would be a miraculous healing. But with this particular guy, that didn't happen. 
uh, six years later, uh, we found out that he ended up really a bum on the street in Spokane, Washington, uh, you know, struggling with alcoholism and, and never, I think he came back and visited once a few weeks later and never, never really kept in touch at all. Two different stories. One woman with eczema healed, plugged into the body. Another person with cancel, cancer healed and just never, you know, never, never came back to talk to anybody about it, at least in the church. But the point is this. Two people were definitely healed, and they were healed by praying in the name of Jesus. Powerful, powerful testimony that I bring before you this morning. However, I do know that when you begin to talk about this, it always brings up two questions. So I'd like to dig into those two questions right away. And the first question is this. Do we as a church believe that divine healing replaces traditional medicine? Uh, you know, these people that come out and they say, oh, we, we don't believe in doctors. Uh, if God doesn't heal the person, then they were supposed to die. You know, and of course, a 14-year-old girl dies of, you know, uh, appendicitis. You know, so something that could have been easily fixed. So absolutely not. My, my question to that is always not, a, or answer is always not at all. Just because the Bible is for prayer, it is not against medicine. Uh, I thank God for all of the people who study the body and employ the natural methods to heal it. Uh, they are a blessing to our world. They are a blessing to me. Uh, I'm great friends with my doctor. She is very mean. She's very, um, she's very, you know, we argue and fight all the time. And yet, you know, she's a, she's a wonderful Christian lady. She prays for me. And it's, what's funny is when she prays for me, she doesn't pray that my body would be healed. She prays that my attitude would be changed. But, you know, but I love her so much because we go in there and I fight with her for 20 minutes, you know. Um, she thinks diet and exercise is the answer to everything. I said, no, I want a pill that does that for me, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, love, I love the medical field. I love all the people in it. But, but here's the thing. The problem is that often we can heal the body, but people keep getting sick because part of the problem is, is the healing is not necessarily physical. What's needed, it's, it's a healing of the soul. We can prescribe all sorts of things to heal the body. But the cure for the spiritual illnesses that plague most of us are often not found in a doctor's office. They're not going to be found in some place where we can go and, and you know, t- to my knowledge, there's no stop being a jerk pill that's been invented. To my knowledge. If there was one, my wife would probably have a lifetime prescription for it. For me, not for her. Uh, just to clarify that, you know, for me, not for her, um, you know, but, but, but 90, what I found is 90% of all of the divine healing I've encountered is in here. Even when people come to be prayed for, for physical healing, I am, I'm not doing my job right. If I don't ask what's going on in here, how are you doing in your heart? How are you doing in your soul? Is your, is your spirit alive? What's going on here? 90% of all the healings I've seen are healings of the immaterial soul, not the physical body. Of the 10% I've seen, and I have seen them, they do happen, and they happen in the name of Jesus. I have rarely seen a physical healing happen 
where some sort of spiritual healing didn't come along with it. That's just what, that's just my experience. So yes, uh, not in any way do we believe healing replaces traditional medicine. In fact, it often, the best way to be healed is to have the two work hand in hand. The second thing is, can everyone receive healing in this life? People will often say one of two things. First, God used to heal, but he doesn't heal anymore, so don't get your hopes up. Or, and you find this in more, more of the hyper-extreme Pentecostal churches, God has to heal, he heals everyone, and if he doesn't heal you, well, then it's your fault. You don't have enough faith. God is in heaven, and if you want to move the hand of God, you should have had more faith, and then you would be healed. But because you did not have enough faith, his hand does not rest upon you, and that is because your faith is too weak. What a demonic thing to tell a pregnant mom struggling with cancer, that it's her fault that all this is happening or that she can't be healed. Uh, Obviously, uh, our church doesn't go down either of those two roads. The Bible very much finds a nice, healthy middle, you know, Uh, God does and still continues to heal. He is Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals thee from the Old Testament. Uh, So that has not changed. It is indicative of his nature to be a healing God. But we need to understand exactly what healing is because a lot of us, we're looking for that quick fix healing. I have something wrong with my body. I just want it fixed. When often God says, you know, you can live with a physical injury, but it's the spiritual injury that's tearing your life apart. Oh, yeah, you may have bronchitis or pneumonia. You may be struggling with inflammations here and inflammations there. I I live, most of you know, I live on the edge of liver failure because of a genetic thing, thank you, Mom, that I got from my family. And you know know what's funny? You can live with it. You can live with it. It's often in here that we don't realize we can't live with this. We think we can't. But it's here often that God wants to touch. So my point is this. Sometimes God heals now. And sometimes God heals later. There is a group of people where everybody will be healed. And I will get to that in a moment. But just stick that right now. Sometimes God heals now. And sometimes God heals later. But make no mistake about it. God is a healing God. Amen? All right. A couple of things here before we get started in our our conversation. First of all, uh, let's look at the life of Paul. In Acts chapter 19, verses 11, 12, this is one of those cool verses in the Bible. This is one of those supernatural fireworks. This is one of those where when you read this verse, you go, wow, that's awesome, you know? Amen. Uh, In Acts chapter 19, 11, and 12, God obviously heals some people through a man named Paul. Paul is in a town called Ephesus in what is today modern-day Turkey. And in verse 11, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Is that not amazing? I mean, could you imagine, you know, and I have, I've actually prayed for this. You know, I, I, it's never happened. I wish it will one day. And the day it happens, I am going to be tweeting about it, Facebooking about it till I'm blue in the face. But I can't wait till the day where I'm preaching and all of a sudden, you know, 
I like take my shirt off and I start whipping it around, you know. I'm like, Dan Brazier, come on up here. Whap, you're healed, you know. I mean, just, just to have that, 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 that piece of cloth, you know, that just heals everybody. You got a demon? Whap, the <laughs> demon's gone, you know. I mean, this is amazing. Paul's handkerchiefs, aprons, things are being touched. They just merely touch Paul, and they're bringing him back, and they're healing everybody. It's amazing. It's awesome. Nobody can deny that God did extraordinary miracles and great healings through the Apostle Paul. But not always. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 20, he says, I left, he's writing to his friend Timothy, who's pastoring the church in Ephesus, uh, the one where all these miracles happen. Catch that. He's writing to the new pastor of the church where all these miracles happen. You know what he writes? I had to leave Trophimus sick at Miletus. Sometimes I read that verse and I say, man, thank God I don't need to heal everybody, you know. Uh, Paul, who had experienced extraordinary miracles, probably prayed for healing for Trophimus. And Trophimus' time to be healed was not now. And so what does he do? He leaves him at Miletus to be tended to by a physician, by the, by the church there, by some loving people. Uh, do you think Paul had faith? Absolutely. If you read, uh, the guy figures prominently in the book of Acts, many healings attested to him, and he writes half the New Testament. So the guy had a lot of faith, but he couldn't heal that guy. And then, how about Paul himself? You go to 2 Corinthians chapters 12, verses 7 and 9, and Paul says this, A thorn was given me in the flesh. In other words, whether it was a mental illness, a physical illness, emotional illness, whatever, you know, a thorn was given him to the flesh, and it was so bad that Paul says, not once, not twice, but thrice, I asked the Lord to take it away. God, I have this thing. Will you, will, will, you, will you heal it? Nothing. God, I have this thing. Uh, I have this thorn in my flesh. Will you heal it? Nothing. God, I really want you to heal this thing that's going on. And then he gets an answer. And he gets the answer that so many of us don't want to hear. <laughs> he gets the answer, Paul, my grace, my presence in your life will get you through this. Don't worry, Paul, I'm with you. This isn't going to kill you. It didn't. Eventually, it was a Roman axe that chopped off his head. Sorry if that's a little too graphic, but that's what happened to him. But they didn't kill him. He probably lived with it lifelong. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So you may say, wow, man, the man who could heal many didn't get healed. No, he didn't get healed then. But he did get healed. How many of you still think Paul has his thorn in his flesh. But we'll get to that in a moment. 700 years before Jesus was born, and this is key because the media, the world, so many, they, you know, we, we think the New Testament is the only explanation for Jesus. Remember, when the apostles first went out, all they had was the Old Testament. And this was one of the ones they used to, to describe the work of Jesus on earth. 
And it promised that Jesus would do, would do two powerful things, that he would forgive sins spiritually and that he would heal bodies physically. He says in Isaiah 53, surely he. Now, Isaiah is an Old Testament Jewish prophet talking about the coming Jewish Messiah, who we believe, who we believe to be Jesus. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sor- sorrows. I love that, that Isaiah starts here. It was just talking about the, he starts right here. He has borne our griefs and our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. In other words, though he bore our griefs and sorrows, we looked at him as condemned by God. So a man who, buries the, who bears the griefs and sorrows of humanity would one day be smitten. You know what it is to smite a rock? It's to strike it. Would one day be struck down by the very people he came to call his own. Isaiah is predicting the crucifixion right here. And he goes even further. He was pierced for our transgressions, for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement. God's chastising of humanity is not, was not upon, was upon Jesus. That brought us peace. Peace with whom? Peace with God. And then here's the key phrase. And by his wounds, because of what Jesus did, we are healed. I'm going to submit to you something that you're going to, you have to think about this week. For those who trust in Jesus, for those who follow Jesus, sooner or later, all of us will be healed. Sooner or later. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. And that should bring us some hope and peace. Amen? All right, so now let's go to our, our text this morning. is Acts chapter 3. Uh, and don't worry, we're, 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 we're almost done here. So I, I, that was a long introduction to a short passage here. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. <laughs> one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon. They were going up to the temple because they had just seen Jesus alive. They had just ate dinner with him. They just had breakfast with him. He's still healing and touching people. He's doing incredible things. And now that he's gone back to heaven, it's their job. They're going to go, and they're going to tell everybody one thing. This Jesus whom you crucified, he's alive, and he's the Lord of the universe. So they're going up to do this, and this is neat. A man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful and was put there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This is a known man. This is the town cripple. They all know about him, right? This isn't some, where'd you come from? And are you faking it? They know. You know, it's hard to fake it for 40 years. You know, they know this guy's a cripple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. When I read that, you need to stop right there. When I read that, it really touches my heart. 
Here is a man with his hand up and his head down. When you begin to see people living life with their head down all the time, they've, they've given up. They want to die. They may not have the guts to end it themselves, but they want to die. They may not want to starve, but sometimes a good cliff looks like a quick answer. There are people, so many people, I've seen, they kind of live life like that with their hand up and their head down. Even, even people who follow God, you know, hand up and their head down, just defeated, demoralized. I'd submit to you in that moment that as crippled as his legs were, his heart was just as crippled. He was done. A beggar who just had his hand up and his head down. So Peter and John look at him and they recognize he's not looking at them as he begs. He's given up so much the hand is just out. And Peter and John look at him and they say, look at us. All of a sudden, the atmosphere is starting to get electrified. Something big is going to happen. Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. And he looks at me and says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, some of us, when we pray for healing, we, we spend 15 minutes, oh, God, do the da 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 I mean, this is four, this is one sentence. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, sticks out his hand, and brings him up. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk and then went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gates. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Not only does he go into the temple and start jumping around, hey man, I can dance, I can walk, I can do the river dance. You know, he's doing all these things. He's freaking out. I can do all these wonderful things. And all the people looking around him going, wow, isn't God good? God healed this man. Da, 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 da. But what were Peter and John going into the temple to do? They were going into the temple to talk about the risen Jesus. And as soon as he starts talking about him, they say, and see that man over there right now? He was healed in the name of Jesus. An amazing collection of timing, compassion, love. And by the way, did you get that? The man was healed in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a powerful name. I was... Uh, Oh, it was a while ago now. I was at Big Lots in Oildale. And somebody got really upset at the manager of the store. And he shouts right in the store, Jesus effing Christ. And I was about 10 feet away. And when he said it, I went, <gasps> I mean, it was like something had hit me. And the man looked at me like, what kind of kook are you? You know, I mean, what happened? I mean, I, I just literally, it just shot through me. I, I, I want to... I looked at him like, do you understand the power of that name? 
Do you really want that on the videotape of your life? But of course, out of anger, take a powerful name and and do that to him. In the name of Jesus Christ. And it's not like a, you know, uh, it's not some sort of pagan mantra. I know, you know, open sesame or abracadabra alakazam. It's not. You may say, well, then what is it? You know, if it's, if it's not a formula, what is it? When you and I pray in the name of Jesus, it is Jesus who is doing the prayer we're asking for. You may say, what's the big, big deal about that? Because you are saying two things. I believe Jesus is alive, and I believe he has the power to do what we ask. That's what Peter and John were doing that day. When they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, they were saying, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Just like when Jesus was on earth and you could walk and talk with him, you can still talk with him now. Just when Jesus was on earth and he was healing and loving people, he's healing and loving people now. Jesus is alive. And when we do things in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we are proclaiming Jesus is alive. I believe Jesus is alive. And that he has power to love and meet the needs of today. That's the important part of that. And so the result is that this man goes into the temple. By the way, a little side story you might not know. This man would not have been allowed in the temple, right? Cripples were not allowed to go to church in that day. So that's why they set him outside. You know, he could not enter in. This would have been the first time that this man ever would have been able to walk in and see the incredible pillars, the court of the Gentiles, the inner court. Perhaps he was even shown the, you know, got, got to peek in and see the curtain where behind it was the ark, you know, at least the, the, the replacement ark, I should say. So, you know, all of it, I mean, this guy had never been able to go to church in his life. All of a sudden, he's healed, he's jumping around, and he is able to do what he's never been able to do, which is worship God in the temple. And the people are astounded. But what's interesting was the ultimate goal was not necessarily the physical healing. When Peter and John began to preach, and they say, we want to tell you that Jesus is alive. I can only see that blind beggar who, or that crippled beggar beggar who was healed jump up and say, he is alive, and he just healed me. Look what I can do. And nobody can refute it. Why? Because they've seen the dude begging there all his life. They knew he was born crippled. And all of a sudden, he's doing something he wasn't able to do before. That's amazing. It's wonderful. And every time we pray, we just proclaim, Jesus is alive, and he still has power to do things here on earth today. Amen? So, how do we pray for healing? You know, another question I get a lot. First of all, listen for God's promptings. You know, sometimes you just, you just go for it. The other night we were in a, a little small group meeting and, uh, you know, and, and one of the pe- people in the meeting got a phone call about someone who had been injured. And a lot of times, you know, what I'll do if I'm in a meeting, I'll say, okay, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll pray for you. And I click up the phone, I do the meeting. And what happens by the end of the meeting? You totally what? Forget, Right? And, 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 you know, here I am, actually it was quite rudely, I am making a pot of coffee 
thinking about something else, and I turn around, and the whole group is praying. But here's the problem. I already pressed brew on the coffee maker, so it's making all of these disruptive noises as all of these pious people are sitting there praying, and I'm standing there fig-leafing it, hoping that nobody looks up and sees, yes, it's the pastor who's a glutton and wants his coffee, you know. And, and, but, but it was an amazing thing to say, you know what? Can we just stop right now and just pray? My friend got hurt. I'd like to pray for him. That's listening to the promptings of God uh, when you feel burdened to pray for somebody. Second thing is ask directly in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it's Jesus who's healing, not us. Third, lay hands on people. Lay hands on people. You know, I'll tell you something about suffering. There's nothing worse There's nothing worse than suffering alone. And when you, when you touch someone, you identify with them. It's a sign of affection, appropriate affection. One time a while back when I went into the hospital to pray for a, um, for a man who was in the war, the Vietnam War, and he had Agent Orange. And, and, and it, it, had, it had metastasized into some sort of cancer because he had lesions all over his face, neck, arms, and skin. His color looked fine, but he looked like a leper. He looked like someone you just didn't want to touch. And, uh, and I went in there, and I said, Hey, I'm, my name is Pastor Tom. Um, I'm just going around the rooms. I'm wondering if you would like me to pray for you. And he's like, Yeah, that'd be great. And I walk in and I said, hey, uh, when I pray for you, do you mind if I lay hands on you? He's like, I have no clue what that means. But if it'll help you, yeah. That's, I think he thought like I was going to grab him, you know. You know I'm going to lay hands on you, you know. <laughs> and so, so I walk up to him and I, I grab his hand and I put my hand over his hand. And I just begin to pray nice and gentle the Holy Spirit would fill his heart, fill the room, bring him peace. And as I began to pray, I just felt led to put my hand on his forehead and on his ears. And I just held his hand and I just kept reminding him, you know, God loves you. God's with you. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I feel this shaking. And I'm thinking, oh, God's healing this guy right in front of me. That's great. Yes. But when I look up, it it wasn't that. He was crying. He was hyperventilating. And I, I kind of freaked out for a moment, but I, I wanted to keep my hand on his hands. So I thought, I look, and, and he's, he's trying to speak. He can't. He's crying so hard. He's wailing. He said, you know, Pastor, he said, um, he said when, my, when my family comes to visit me, they stand at the other end of the room. They don't want to get close to me. They don't want to touch me. Only the doctors come in and touch me. And they do it with gloves on, latex gloves. He said that you came in here and held my hand and touched my forehead. And he just started, (laughs) and he just grabbed me and he pulled me in. And he buried my head in his chest. 
My own son won't even touch me. And he's just crying there. It was a powerful moment for me. If you've never been to a hospital, you should go. And when your loved ones are in the hospital, you need to touch them. 16 years of going and praying for people in the hospital. And I've never gotten sick with anything they've had. I get more sick from the coughs and colds that you guys bring into church. <laughs> than I do touching the AIDS people, the hepatitis C people. The, who was the, the woman had uh, lupus? Can you get that? Oh, okay. I was pretty impressed. You know, I was like, she got lupus, but I ain't afraid. You know? <laughs> Guess lupus. <laughs> Let me ask this. Can men get lupus? Yes, okay, all right. That was like a woman disease. I'd feel really stupid right now, but thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Laying out of hands. You know, there's, there's nothing like the affection of positive, affirming touch. Number four is anoint with oil. Uh, Jesus, in Mark sixteen fourteen, he takes oil, he anoints the person, prays for them, and they're healed. Pretty good example to follow, huh? And number five, bring them to the church elders. James 5.14 says, if any of you are sick, uh, bring them to the elders of the church. Let them be anointed with oil, and God will heal them. Now, the oil has no magical components. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It says that when we pour the oil upon you, it's the, Holy, the symbolic of the Holy Spirit being poured upon you. When we place the oil on you, it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit being placed upon you. LifePoint Church has four different ways you can be prayed for to be healed. The first one is over here during worship, right in front of everybody. You can come up, and, it, you know, how long do you think it took for the cripple to be healed? In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. What is that, four, four seconds, five seconds? Doesn't take a long time. So you can come on up, and they'll pray for you here. Another one is Bud and Shirley, our prayer pastors, they're in the back room, uh, the front room. So if you go where the snacks are, one of those side rooms, they're in there all Sunday long today uh, and every Sunday after, and they have a prayer team where if you want extended prayer, you can take them back into the back room there and they'll pray for you. And it's wonderful. I've had it done many times. And then the third thing is you can schedule an appointment. We've got wonderful people who will meet you during the week and they'll pray for you during the week. And the fourth thing is once a month, we do have an elders meeting. And we have seen some incredible prayers for healing in the elders. There's something, God has like blessed that in a way that I, I, I can't imagine, but, but we meet once a month. If you got something real big, I mean, you need to get the devil off your back. You, need, you got something really coming down. Bring it to the elders meeting, and I promise you, you'll find some real power in that. But my, my last question is, my last point is, when will all of God's people receive healing? Let me tell you something. Right now, our time in existence, God has a single purpose with it. He's building a people. He's building a people, right? God has put himself out there. He's building a people. This world won't last forever like this. Uh, God is going to come back one day to reclaim his planet. 
Who knows? He may have billions of other planets out there, but this is the one that Satan fell to. This is the one where the war is going on. So one day, God's going to come back. He's going to reclaim his planet. And for all of those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, for all those who have surrendered their pride and said, you know what? I want to become part of the people of God. You will all be healed one day, one day or another. Because when you get to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 4, it says that, and Jesus wiped all the tears from their eyes. I had forgotten about this verse. Only a few months ago, one of my sons was crying over a loss. And when you're a father, boy, it really touches you. I, I think I wept too. And I don't really cry much. And I remember my son wiping the tears from his eyes. And in that moment, I was reminded of this verse. And I felt like God said, Tom, one day I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to wipe every tear. There will be no more suffering. The tears we cry here on earth will be the last tears we ever cry ever. The kingdom of God is not about tears, joyful tears. The kingdom of God is not about sickness. The kingdom of God is not about judgments, criticisms, rejection. The kingdom of God is not about cancer. The kingdom of God is not about any of those things. So we all will be healed. It's a question of when. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that when we die, we will rise in a new body, a body that cannot get sick, a body that will never, never experience depression, a body that will never experience fatigue or hunger, a body that will no longer need the sun to fuel it, but the glory of God. One day, we will all be healed, and it will be a glorious, glorious day. So this morning, I want to close by asking you two questions. Would you like Jesus to heal you by forgiving your sins and to fill your body with his spirit and touch your affliction? Because in the name of Jesus Christ, he is alive and he has power to heal. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Worship team, come forward. So this morning, before we close, I... I want to give a very simple invitation. This is not out of manipulation or coercion. I or nobody in this church has nothing to gain. This is completely for you. But I just want to make it very clear that the healing I talk about this morning is for those who choose to become a God, part, part of God's people in Christ Jesus. And so this morning... Uh, whether for the first time or maybe, maybe, maybe you've felt like this a lot, but you've just never crossed over and said, you know what, I really want to make Jesus the God of my life. I, really wa I want his forgiveness. Wherever he went in the afterlife, I want to go and be with him. I, I want to trust him. I want his protection. I want his power. I want him to heal my immaterial soul and to heal my material body. I want to become a follower of Christ.
or I want to rededicate my life to Christ. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If that is any of you this morning, please just look up at me and make eye contact. Amen. 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 Come on. Amen. So many of you. All right. I think we should all just pray. Let's just all do it. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, heal me. Heal me spiritually. Heal me physically. Come into my heart. I make you my God. Fill me with your spirit that I may follow you. Real Christianity. True Christianity. In Jesus' name. Amen.